What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Hello and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about romance novels and the people who write them, read them, and love them. I am very excited to be back. I had a great time away. Welcome back! But uh, I, I missed my folks. So if you are, this is your first time listening, I'm Jess. And I'm Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Welcome to February. Oh, yeah. It was so fun to record with Liberty last time, Jess, but I'm so glad you're back because I think I think it's genuinely upsetting for people to for the first thing they hear in this podcast to be my voice. <laughs> They're just so used to hearing you. So I mean I didn't get any of that feedback, but I'm just assuming people were thinking it and too nice to say it. So I think we're all delighted to have you back. Well, I'm delighted to be back. I delighted in hearing your voice first on the last episode. Well, thank you. I think also you um you sent a message. You had actually read at least a couple of the books that Liberty was talking about. I think including the I asked her if she read any historical and she talked about some very random book that I was not familiar with, but just based on her description, it seems <laughs> like not only could you identify it, but you had read it. Yes. I listened to it actually, which was interesting because I think I started listening to it without having remembered what the like any of the details in the description. So when it was revealed mm-hmm. that she was blind, I was like, wait, what? And like, I'm pretty sure that's in the description. <laughs> Do you know what it was? Um, It was the Spy Master's Lady, I think. Oh, okay. I've definitely heard of that. I just haven't read it. Joanna Bourne? That sounds right. Maybe. I can see the cover, but me in words. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I was just curious. I just thought it was funny that they, just based on sort of the four phrases to describe it that <laughs> used, you could, you could, you knew. I you knew. knew. <laughs> well, speaking of books, what are you reading now? I am reading Night and Day by Lily Seabrook. It is in the set in the same universe as Fake It, which is another Lily Seabrook book that I have talked about previously. Interestingly enough. And this one is a grumpy sunshine lesbian romance between a woman who is very sort of like, I don't really need people. I don't really like people, but I need a roommate because my roommate found love and moved out. And she keeps going to this one bar in the city where they live to try mm-hmm. to find a roommate and her friends like you say you're doing that but really you're just taking women home and <laughs> she's <laughs> like yeah so oh uh, sure yeah different 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 and then she finally does run into a bubbly 
influencer who needs an, a new place to live and they decide to become roommates. Well, that sounds lovely. So far it is. I have to say, I think Lily Seabrook may still be one of those authors that I have not yet read. Can that be right? I don't know. I'll look into it and report back. But speaking of authors that I haven't read, I actually, so I just finished a book this afternoon. <laughs> so I haven't started it yet. But I think my next book is going to be Only When It's Us by Chloe Lee. Have you read this? Have you talked about this book on the show? Is is that the green one? Yes. Yes, it is. It is green. It's a new adult book. It is, it's uh, a soccer player. First in the series? Yes, it is. Yes. It is the first in this. And that's actually part of the reason I kind of want to read it. So I was looking for a, like, I just need a series in February to just kind of like fall into. Mm -hmm. And there are six, well, five so far. I think the sixth book is coming out soon in this series. It's a, but I believe it's Brothers because it is called the Bergman Brothers series. (laughs) I'm not 100% sure I'll be into it because I'm not always into new adult. And this one at least is new adult. This is a book where one of the main characters is a college soccer star and at some point needs notes in the class from sort of this apparently kind of grumpy flannel wearing classmate. And apparently they're a little bit of frenemies, but my guess is that eventually shenanigans ensue. Mm -hmm. So I've heard a lot of good things about not only this book, but this author. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, I was looking for a series and I... As much as I totally understand that books are very hard to write and people want to do trilogies, I need more than three books. Like, I get it. But like, I need like a solid like five or six book series. Three books is just for where I am right now, not enough books. So, so I mean, God bless all of you writing trilogies. I know that writing is very, very difficult. And I absolutely understand it. And yet, <laughs> I need the story to continue. So I need more. Give me more. I need more. It's exactly. If I'm going to invest in the world, what is that, like a thousand pages, three books? Come on. <laughs> if I'm invested, I am I can go more than a thousand pages. So anyway, I think you've, re- you've talked about this book. I think other people, it is indeed the green one. <laughs> uh, I think our other Book Riot friends have talked about it. So I'm excited to get into it and see what happens. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. Best of luck to you. Well, thank you. I will almost definitely keep you posted because we do this every two weeks. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, so, so if I'm like on book four, by the time we're talking next, then then you'll know. Before we do a quick break, we do uh, Book Riot is hiring and they would like for you all to know that. And so they're hiring, well, they're hiring an ad ops associate. But if you're listening to this on February 6th, that resume was due yesterday. So maybe focus instead on the fact that Book Riot is also hiring a full stack web developer. If you are that, you probably know more about what that means than I do. So <laughs> you can check out the listings at riotnewmedia.com slash careers. Again, that's a full stack web developer. Resumes for that one are not due till February 28th. So you got plenty of time. Yes. So check it out, writingmedia.com slash careers. And since it is indeed February. Indeed. If you are looking for the perfect Valentine's gift for your bookish boo, 
you can gift tailored book recommendations. Your boo will tell our professional book nerds about what they love and what they don't, what their reading goals are, and what they need more of in their bookish life. Then they can sit back while our bibliologists go to work selecting books just for them. TBR has plans for every budget, so you can surprise your bookish boo with tailored book recommendations as Valentine's and visit mytbr.co slash gift to read more about that. And I will just say for the record, if, if you're celebrating Galentine's Day <laughs> or Palentine's Day, as discussed in the past, mm-hmm. you don't actually have to have a val. You know what? You can you be can your buy yourself a Valentine's gift. <laughs> I have done it before. I will probably do it again. That way you know you're getting exactly what you want. Mm. So that's a life hack for you. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Random House, publishers of The Book of Love by Kelly Link. So The Book of Love is a long-awaited debut novel from a Pulitzer Prize finalist, a MacArthur Genius Grant recipient, and the author of some amazing short story collections. It follows Laura, Daniel, and Mo, who one night find themselves in a high school classroom, which is not too special because they are teenagers, but get this, it happens almost a year after they disappeared and were presumed dead. And with them is their unremarkable music teacher who seems to know something about their disappearance and what brought them back. So desperate to reclaim their lives, the three agree to the terms their music teacher proposes. They will be given a series of magical tasks. While they undertake them, they may return to their families, but they can tell no one where they've been. But when other supernatural forces descend on their town, the stakes get even higher. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Random House, publishers of The Book of Love by Kelly Link for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Sourcebooks, the fastest growing publisher in the world. So I have a new true crime story for you coming from New York Times bestselling author Casey Sherman, and it is titled Murder in Hollywood. So it follows Hollywood starlet Lana Turner, who was one of Tinseltown's most recognizable faces in the 40s and 50s, but her life behind the scenes was terrible. It was terribly dark. So she started dating this mobster. His name was Johnny Stampinato. He was a thug for West Coast mob boss Mickey Cohen. And that was the beginning of the end, basically. So one night in 1958, Lana tried to leave him. He predictably turned violent, but then there was a twist to this. Her daughter stepped in, trying to protect her mother, and ultimately killed him. So in this new book, Casey Sherman pulls back Tinseltown's Velvet Curtain to reveal a dark underbelly of celebrity. So make sure to pick up Murder in Hollywood by Casey Sherman to get to the bottom of that tea. And thanks again to Sourcebooks, the fastest growing publisher in the world, for sponsoring this episode. So, Jess, I'm sure you didn't forget while you were away. The book club is back. Yay! Hooray! We are a reading after hours on Malegro Street by Angelina M. Lopez. We're super excited about it. And as a reminder, we are recording that episode on March 2nd. Oh, yeah, because February is the way it is. It's exactly four weeks from today. Mm-hmm. The way it is being 28 days. Uh, so send your thoughts to us and we will, That the episode will actually go live March 6th, but let us know what you think before March 2nd. Uh, and actually, mm, this is very unfair. Should we, because After Hours on Malegro Street is a Karina Press book, do you want to hop past 
you want to juggle the agenda a little bit and talk a little bit about the HarperCollins Union? Yes. So as you are listening to this, it has been dozens of days that the HarperCollins Union has been on strike. And they actually, in the past couple of weeks, decided to clarify what books they wanted to ensure weren't discussed and were covered in sort of their strike concept. Mm -hmm. And originally, we talked about how uh, Harlequin and all of Harlequin's imprints weren't included in that. But they have since changed that, in part because they say that their striking members have performed work for those imprints in the recent years. And they want to ensure that people who move alongside or throughout the HarperCollins workforce are still being treated fairly um, as far as pay and work go. So we know that After Hours on Milago Street is a Karina Press title, which is part of Harlequin, which in itself is kind of a corner of HarperCollins that isn't quite an imprint, but isn't quite its own thing. And we are acknowledging that we are going to be discussing a HarperCollins title because we said we would, <laughs> and we do not want to go back on that, especially if those of you who are reading along with us want to keep reading. <laughs> yeah, and I think we think that's kind of fair, right? You know, I mean, I think if it had been clear from the beginning that um, Harlequin and Karina were a part of this strike, I think we might have approached it differently. But this came as a, a shift and even a surprise. I saw some authors on both of these imprints that were also a little surprised and taken aback to see that these imprints were included. Again, obviously, like, we absolutely support the union. We think whatever, however they decide this, they know better than I do for sure what they are doing. And also, this particular circumstance just happens to be a little complicated. And, you know, we're excited about this book. We're excited about book club. And I think you know, we're excited to talk about it with you. And we're excited for the strike to be over. Yes, we are. It has been almost four months. And yeah. there has been a not even baby step, but maybe something will happen in the next few days that could change what's happening. But yeah, if I'm not mistaken, HarperCollins has actually agreed to talk with the union. So it's not everything, but it's a start. It's it's a start. So anyway, that's kind of the update there. Uh, anything else to say on that? Um, no, let's move on to the fun stuff. All right. So we have been collecting emails over time. We haven't necessarily been able to talk about them on every episode, but we had a little time today. Uh, so I will start by saying, just by way of background, um, I've mentioned a couple of times on this show that I, about once a month, every five or six weeks, host a podcast called All the Backlist. It is also a book ride podcast. It's great. Sometimes I talk about romance, sometimes I don't. But recently, I did mention the Brother Sinister series by Courtney Milan, which is a favorite of mine. And I think it's fair to say yours as well, Jess. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a longstanding gentlewoman's disagreement <laughs> about the best book 
in that particular series. I have always said that it is the first book, which is The Duchess War. Jess has always very wrongly disagreed and said that, in fact, it is the second book, which is The Heiress Affair. Is that right? The Heiress Affair. The Heiress Affair. I could never remember if it's Heiress Affair or Heiress Effect, but whatever it is. Same, actually. I was like, Heiress Effect? Heiress Affair? Well, whatever it is, it's about an heiress. It's about an heiress, and it's green. And apparently, Laura has been keeping track because she emailed us to tell us that, in fact, and this is a quote, uh, she says some very nice things about us and, and the podcast, and she's a fan, but then she mentions, that's why it pains me so, this is a quote, that's why it pains me so much to have to respond to Trisha's recent episode of All the Backlist to tell you that you're both wrong. The Countess Conspiracy is clearly the best book in the Brother Sinister series. <laughs> I mean, listen, Laura, we've all been there, you know, sitting in a world of, of being a little bit in denial and incorrect, and that's okay. That's fine. <laughs> It is a great book. You are not wrong. Actually, that one is fantastic. They that are, one is fantastic. Yeah. But you're still wrong. Okay, <laughs> great. Moving on. <laughs> uh, seriously, though, thanks to Laura for the email. We are always here for knowing not only what books you are reading, but which books are your favorite in any series and where you are wrong about them. <laughs> We also heard, we talked about crime romance books. Gosh, at this point, Jess, it might have been in the at the end of 2022. Yeah, I think so. God, how are we in February? It doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, <laughs> and so we talked about those and we heard from Jackie, who mentioned a few books that were sort of, she says, lighter crime slash thief romances. Uh, she mentioned Jennifer Cruzy's Faking It. Mm-hmm. Uh, she mentioned Suzanne Enoch's Samantha Jellico series. I don't think I know that one. But Flirting with Danger is book number one. Uh, it's a jewel thief main character. Mm-hmm. And Tamara Morgan's Confidence Tricks, which is a competing con man slash woman leads. Uh, and Jackie's favorite, because it marries long cons with social justice themes, which sounds cool. Ainsley Payton's The Confidence Game series, One Night Wife, is book number one. Uh-huh. So thank you, Jackie. Yes, thank you. We appreciate it. Oh, and then we got one more. We just, within the last few days, got a uh, a note from Meg asking for more mystery romance. And I think, you know, we've talked about romantic suspense. We may see if we can figure out a way to talk more about mystery romance. Interestingly enough, one of the books that I'm going to talk about a little bit later on is, I think, a pretty good example of that. So we will we'll get back to it. But in the meantime, if folks have thoughts on sort of what is the difference between romantic suspense versus mystery romance versus... A mystery book with a romance element. I don't know. I feel like this could go a lot of different ways, Jess. It really could. So, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. We'll have to see. But we'll thank you, see. as always, to everybody sending us mail. Yeah. we. It's always nice to see actual... Well, no, all of it is actual mail. Um, we appreciate <laughs> we appreciate everything that comes into our inbox. But because I think Trisha and I are both a little overwhelmed by upcoming titles, seeing something yes. that is actually for us to send out is always mm-hmm. delightful. <laughs> exactly. And then I feel like our last kind of announcement thing before we talk about a specific topic is, as always, folks probably have realized February is Black History Month, which is incredibly important, especially given what is happening to curricula across the country, mm. <laughs> Florida. <laughs> uh and also, it's a thing that I feel like every year, Jesse and I kind of say, hey, it's Black History Month. And also, P- 
people should be reading books by Black authors all the time. Mm -hmm. So we don't tend to dive deep. Hopefully in the sort of many, many episodes of this podcast, you can find books that you are excited about by Black authors. But if there's a specific thing that you're looking for, let us know. We might be able to set you up. Yeah, absolutely. Now or all the time. Again, if it's May and you're looking for a specific kind of book by a Black author, you can still read it and you can still (laughs) ask us. There's not a specific rule. Yes. All right. Actually, let's before we jump into another ad, let's let's start this conversation. Okay. Jess, because because I feel like I'm interested in what you I'm interested in what you think. So this was I I suggested this because I just read a couple of different fake relationship books that I was very excited about. And I started to realize that there's actually something about the fake relationship trope that I really connect with. So fake relationship being, you know, for whatever reason, two people have to pretend to be in a relationship together. And then as it turns out, they develop feelings for one another. Mm-hmm. And they end up being sort of our main couple. I don't know that I had strong feelings or even really have strong feelings about this other than just having been reading and thinking more about it lately. I don't remember if this is one just that you're super into or not. I am. Hooray! <laughs> um, it's definitely it's definitely one of my preferred tropes, as it were. I really enjoy fake relationships of all sorts. I will even occasionally pick one up that is friends to lovers fake relationship which you know mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not huge on but for some reason that fake relationship element of it makes me curious how they're going to play that out because there's something about with a fake relationship usually comes forth proximity right yes mhm usually but not always which i'll talk a little bit about later yeah that that's true actually cuz i think at least one of the ones that i I'm going to talk about doesn't particularly have that like in each other's pockets kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like too one of, and I yeah I had forgotten about the forced proximity element because I know how much I know how much that one is is a um a favorite of yours. I feel like one of the things I really like about it is that it does create a world and a scenario in which these two people are the only two people with all of the information like mm-hmm. such that anyone has it, right? Yeah. It's almost like they're f- they're forced into a tiny club of two. I've only read two-person uh, fake relationship books. There are probably others. But it's there's something about that, I feel like, that kind of, you know, like there's it's there's a kind of intimacy in that and being like the only two people that kind of know what's going on and it forces a different kind of honesty or something. I don't know. I was really struck by that when I was reading it recently. Yeah, it's like they 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 have their own little little secret, their own little club, like you were saying. And then I got distracted by the idea of three or more people being in a fake relationship and figuring out how that would work. I'm I'm going to investigate that later, but um. I feel like there's a good chance that like Katrina Jackson maybe has written that. Like, I feel like somebody's probably written that. Somebody has to have written that. And it's yeah. probably, I'm going to be honest, if it exists, it's probably a why choose. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. And I feel there, I feel like I might have come across a like her three fake boyfriends kind sure. of story. But absolutely. Now yep. I have to go digging around for that because that, now that's all I want. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, there's just like, there's always some element of emotional and physical chemistry that the people mm-hmm. who are who are faking this relationship have, even if it starts out as enmity or as friendship or as we're really into each other physically, but we can't actually be in a real relationship. So let's pretend we're in a relationship. I don't completely know how that works in real life. Like, why don't you just mm-hmm. date? But yeah. romance reasons. <laughs> of course. And that's what's so funny, too, is that, like, I just said that it's usually the only the two people, but occasionally they'll bring in other people who, like, trusted, you know, confidants and say, like, well, we're only faking this engagement because otherwise my family's going to do blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And the other people are always like, but is it really fake? I've seen the way they look at you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is there like, is always that line somewhere. <laughs> yeah. So even though the people in the relationship are the only ones who know what's going on, it's everyone else who figures out first that they're actually secretly in love. Mm-hmm. They're the last ones to know. The last ones to know. The only other thing I will say before we start getting to specific books, Jess, is that I will be honest, I am often very put off by any kind of like lying or dishonesty or I don't know, whatever, that sort of that kind of thing in romance. For Mm -hmm. some reason, it doesn't bother me in fake relationships. I don't know why. I I think we might have talked a little bit about this Maybe when I was talking about spoiler alert, because that's that was one of those big ones. I really had to get over the hurdle of the big yeah. secret. But and I think also in a more negative way, um, not the girl you marry, because mm-hmm. that's that is the two of them lying to each other. And I couldn't deal with that. Mm-hmm. But if the two of them or however many are in it together lying with each other they're lying with each other and for each other it's very different in more ways than one yeah (laughs) yeah i think that's what it is i think you kind of yeah maybe it's that because you can see the good in it right Mm -hmm. like you can see i'm looking at the books specifically that i'm going to talk about or thinking about ones that we've talked about on the podcast like that we were talking about the fact that we've so just even last episode Liberty talks about uh, Devon and Chris plan a wedding, which is mm-hmm. a fake relationship book. Boyfriend mm-hmm. material is a relation- fake relationship book. Like, there is always – it's, like, to the greater good. For some reason, when people are lying for the greater good, it feels <laughs> like it's okay. Yeah. I don't know why. But it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. Let's talk about specific books. But before we do, let's take a quick break. Today's episode is brought to you by National Geographic Books. The Cave is the incredible memoir of Imani Balur, a young doctor and activist who ran an underground hospital in Damascus, humanizing the enduring crisis in Syria. The only woman to have ever run a wartime hospital in Syria, she saved many from the atrocities of war while having to face the patriarchal conservatism around her. Amani Balor is a game changer. Listen, she will be remembered as one of history's greatest. She's a passionately committed humanitarian, and she is determined to help others escape the horrors that she survived. 
Make sure to pick up the memoir, The Cave by Amani Balour and Rania Abouzaid for a memoir that expands on the 2019 Oscar nominated film by the same name, which documents her experience running the hospital, shielding children from horrific sarin attack, losing colleagues, trying to employ more women in the hospital, and eventually leaving and becoming a refugee. So make sure to read about this amazing woman. And thanks again to National Geographic Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Skye. Bone familiar Rosie spends most of her days in the Bone Forest, hiding her powers to avoid conscription by the Witch King's army. But when she saves the life of Princess Shaw, she's offered the chance to attend the prestigious school Witch Hall. And at Witch Hall, Rosie finds herself embroiled in political games she doesn't understand. Shaw wants Rosie as a partner to help lead the coming war. Meanwhile, all Rosie wants is to stay out of trouble, but she can't really deny her attraction to Shaw. So the question is, will Rosie give in to her destiny or will the Bone Forest call her home once and for all? Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Skye is for all the magic school lovers. This immersive magic school is full of witches and familiars. It's also a queer normative fantasy world with a sapphic slow burn romance like we love. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Daughter of the Bone Forest by Jasmine Skye for sponsoring this episode. All right, Jess, tell me specifically some of your favorite fake relationships. I mean, in books. I know we can't be figuring out. Real life fake relationships. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Hollywood. We can't. We can't get into that. So I'm going to counter that with not my favorites, just some newer ones. <laughs> um, because I think that works. Yeah. Because like we said, we've talked about a bunch of these in the past. So yes. newer is even better. Yeah, these are some of my most recent fake relationship books, which are delightful. I don't have a tear for them yet. But you can decide. So the first one I want to talk about is probably the most recent book of the group. And that is Not Your Valentine by Jackie Lau. It came out last month. And it is not connected to any any of her other series. It was a Kobo original, but it is available through libraries and maybe in print. I don't know. But it this might be your chance to check out Kobo. You can read on the Kobo app if you have a, a device that allows it and all of that stuff. But anyway, <laughs> so this is like Jackie Lau's third Valentine's book. I was going to say, when you said it was new, I was like, no, I feel like I've read <laughs> Valentine's. Okay, got it. The last year it was the Wong's book or maybe the year before. Oh, yeah. I think the year before. Mm -hmm. The holidays with the Wong's concluded on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And not only has she written multiple Valentine's Day books, she is great at fake relationships. Like, one, only one bed fake relationship Valentine's Day would be, like, the ultimate Jackie Lau book. Especially if there mm -hmm. was, like, a, a dinosaur costume involved. But there is not one here. <laughs> um, sorry, buds. That's for Valentine's book number four. <laughs> right, there you go. Um, and this one has Helen, who isn't, she's not like a grumpy Gus. And she, you know, she enjoys spending time with her friends. And she has like a very like staid personality, but isn't like an ice queen. But she has decided that she really doesn't want to try relationships again. Because the last one she was in, 
her boyfriend dumped her in public on Valentine's Day, and it was recorded, and she went viral. Uh, that's rough. It was rough. And she doesn't want to do that again. She doesn't want the possibility of doing that again. Right? Right? Yeah. Wouldn't you take a little break? But same. Everybody's on on her to jump back in the pond to find the other fish, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ugh. And even her boba guy, she goes to a boba shop and because the the guy at the register looks so worried, she just lies and says, "Oh, I have a boyfriend now." And then she's like, "Well, crap. What do I do? Maybe I do get a boyfriend." But do I get a real one? Mm-hmm. Maybe I. Oh, <laughs> I'm guessing based on the uh, the topic of this episode that the answer is no. No, not a real one. No, because real real boyfriend means potential for hurt. So instead, she oh. goes to her friend since high school. They hang out pretty regularly. They have known each other long enough that she she feels okay with being like, so will you be my fake boyfriend? <laughs> Aww. And he's like, sure. I like he's so chill about it. And it's just it's it's really cute. It's pretty short. It's a novella. And as Jackie Lau usually does, all of the supporting cast, friends and family, are delightful. You get a little bit of Lunar New Year in there. You get a little bit of New Year's in there. It's just it's a great winter read. Oh, that sounds lovely. I'm gonna have to. Oof, I have a Kobo account. I'll have to. Yeah, I'll track it down. <laughs> and I have a library book account. So, so the first book I'm going to talk about is a Spencer's Guide to Danger and Dukes. And this is actually the book I was reading that made me think, boy, maybe I'm really more excited about fake relationships than I thought. <laughs> uh, and also, Meg, this is the third, the third in a series. <laughs> maybe there'll be a fourth. I don't know. But right now, it's a trilogy. <laughs> But I have been delighted by this trilogy, and they are historical mystery romances. So I would consider them mysteries. They're not like, it's not like the clues are sprinkled throughout and you can solve them necessarily, but I have found them all three to be very delightful. This one might be my favorite, and this is a little annoying of me because it doesn't come out till March 28th, but pre-order it, it'll be great. Uh, so the story is, if you you can read this one without having read the first two. I really enjoyed the first two, but whatever you can do it without, it's very much a standalone. Mm-hmm. There's a woman who plays, who is a secretary, I say she plays a secretary because she is under an assumed identity as a secretary in the second book in the series. Her real name is Poppy. She has been living this lie because she had to escape her hometown, change her name because her stepfather was trying to marry her off to this terrible guy she wanted nothing to do with. So she runs away, changes her name, is working as a secretary. This book opens when she has found out that that terrible guy that she didn't want to marry has been murdered. And her sister, who actually then did have to marry him, is the person who is is suspected of having been murdered. Mm. So, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> so she runs into, uh, you know, a duke as one does, as she is uh, going to try to clear her sister's name, the Duke of Langham, who she has met before because he is friends with her, you know, fancy friends from books one and two. And they're not really friends, but he basically says, listen, we're going to a place where I have a lot of power. I am happy to help you get your sister's name cleared, but you have to pretend to be my fiance so that my grandmother 
doesn't like parade all of these young women in the ton in front of me. She desperately wants me to get married. If I'm already engaged, she'll leave me alone. Mm. So they make this sort of deal. And as they are trying to figure out who did what and how and who killed whom, just there's like a, I don't want to necessarily call it a sex cult, <laughs> but there's kind of a sex cult. <laughs> like there's this like very weird underground organization that they come upon and they're like trying to figure out what's going on. There's lighthouses. Um, Langham is actually claustrophobic. They don't use that term, but because of an experience he had as a child. So this is one of those books where it's literally just the two of them. Nobody else knows until their friends come, you know, three quarters of the way through the book. And they're like, no, we're faking this engagement. And their friends are like, but are you though? <laughs> and so they're, um, Amanda Collins does a very good job of very early in the book talking about what the content warnings are. And all of that. So there is some violence, obviously. There is some discussion of emotional abuse, um, physical abuse, and all of that is there. But I thought that this book moved very, very quickly for me. I mean, you know, whenever there's a sex cult, that tends to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, right? Like, so, and like I said, it's very mysterious. I thought it was very satisfying. I liked it a lot. That is A Spinster's Guide to Danger and Dukes. It is the third in a series, but there might be a fourth. There's another character I have some questions about. Uh, hmm. So maybe we'll see. All right. Yeah, we don't get a whole lot of historical pretend relationships. We get marriages mm -hmm. of convenience. But yeah. the actual like pretending to be affianced, mm -hmm. I've only seen that a couple times. So I'm curious about that because I, I'm always interested in how that one's going to play out. Well, I say pick it up. All right. I will, eventually, someday. <laughs> um, so another book that I have had on my shelf for a little bit that I uh, finally picked up recently is Fake It Till You Bake It by Jamie Wesley. And it is reality show adjacent, but not actually reality show-ish. And so you have a football player who still professionally plays football, but also owns a bakery with his buddies because sure. historically baking has always been very soothing and satisfying for him. And he figures why not go into business? You know what? I relate to that. I right. used to bake all the time to relieve stress until I found out that then I just ate everything I baked. <laughs> yeah, I have that problem. <laughs> I don't have the money to open a bakery. <laughs> yeah, no. And so Donovan is a large man, kind of, you know, off-putting. Mm. But he loves his shop and his cupcakes. And he overhears a woman in line uh, dissing both and um, sort of challenges her to try them out. And... She does, and then doesn't admit how much she really likes the cupcakes, even though the space could be better. So that's their first introduction. <laughs> but mm -hmm. it turns out she is actually the granddaughter of the person who owns his football team. And through some thing, she has sort of stalled in her life 
because she was on a Bachelorette-style show and turned down the proposal. I don't even watch The Bachelorette, and I know that's a big deal. Everyone hates her. There is a scene where somebody, like approaches her in a store and is like how dare you you ruined his life he was the greatest guy and it's like you weren't there you don't know <laughs> like yeah so um yeah. but so she's sort of stalled and her grandmother has this great idea for her to start working at this bakery <laughs> So she goes to work at the bakery and they have this amazing chemistry. And someone assumes that they're dating. They are not. But mm-hmm. they decide, well, if it's getting people to come in, if it's getting us publicity, because Sugar Blitz hasn't been doing that great, well, mm-hmm. let's just tell them we're dating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah. they tell people they're dating. Aww. And, of course, there's all kinds of other stuff going on with two people who are, one is infamous and one is famous, and they both have to deal with the football team and uh, sort of the public and their own personalities and uh, growth and everything that they need to deal with individually and all of that stuff. You know, all the stuff that I really like in a book. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, gosh, the difference between infamous and famous Mm. is much larger than I think we sometimes. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great distinction. Yeah. Uh, The next one I'm going to talk about is The Romantic Agenda by Claire Kahn. I think this one came out last year. Have you read this one, Jess? Yes. I just came upon it recently and was very delighted. I can tell you all about it, but I feel like the way that the summary of it starts is the perfect way to explain it. So this is a quote. Joy is in love with Malcolm, but Malcolm really likes Summer. Summer is in love with love, and Fox is Summer's (laughs) ex-boyfriend. So the four people, Joy, Malcolm, Summer, and Fox, all go away on a weekend together. Joy is the sole narrator of this book. She has been in love with Malcolm for years and years and years. He has... They are best friends. They are possibly dangerously close You can read about that in the book. (laughs) She is in love with him. He doesn't either. He doesn't know or he's not willing to acknowledge. Again, you can read about it in the book. He has dated and I can't can't remember if he was married to or in a long-term relationship with somebody else, I believe married. And then they were um, divorced. And when he got divorced, the woman wrote this really scathing note to both Malcolm and Joy about the fact that it was the closeness of their friendship and the fact that they were secretly in love that drove her away. And it's a whole messy thing. Anyway, Mm -hmm. Malcolm falls for summer. So he asks Joy to go away with them for the weekend because Summer insists on bringing her ex-boyfriend and very close friend Fox along for the adventure. So they're all there. Joy is kind of trying to my best friend's wedding this situation a little bit. Mm-hmm. She would be the Julia Roberts character for those of you who have seen it. But she also kind of feels guilty. She's very confident, but also has just sort of just pockets of, I think, kind of like loneliness and insecurity. Anyway, she Fox figures out that, you know, she's in love with Malcolm. It's pretty clear and offers to fake date her over the weekend like pretend that the two of them are falling for each other to 
let Malcolm see what he might be missing out on if he does not make a move. Uh, and it kind of just sort of goes from there. It is, it's sort of a capsule romance in that it really does mostly take place over the course of like four or five days. Mm-hmm. I really like this one a lot. It is, it's complicated because you're sort of, people are figuring out their feelings in real time. And I would say that this one is maybe more of an HFN as opposed to an HEA, but I think that's true of a lot of romance. Joy and Malcolm are both asexual. And so I think the way that they approach that and are in different places related to that is really interesting. And it's a thing that they explore in the book. The one thing I will say is that this book is in third person present tense, (laughs) which makes me bananas. (laughs) And yet I liked this book enough that I was able to, uh, there have been books in the past that I have not been able to power through because of that. It's just sort of like, so they will say like, Joy is entering the kitchen. Joy is delighted to see Malcolm is blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just so weird. It's such a weird, like, people are creative and brilliant and wonderful, and they should write however they want. This particular, like, tense tends to make me a little bananas, but I thought it was great. And this is another one where the fake relationship ends up just kind of, well, you will read about it in the book. So that is The Romantic Agenda by Claire Kahn. You know, I really need to pay more attention, like actively pay more attention to tense, because the, this is not the first time I have heard you or someone else that I know talk about first or third person present tense. And if I looked at some of the books that I enjoyed reading the absolute most, I could bet you some vast amount of money that many of them are in that storytelling format. And I don't know what it is about it that makes me eat it up. Like, I don't know if it's fan fiction. Like, historically, I've read, you know, millions of pages of fan fiction. Oh, sure, yes. And I know that that is a thing that has been popular for fanfic writers. Maybe that's it, Jess, because I don't know how you don't notice... I like it's so weird. <laughs> it's it's just one of those things. It's like it's it feels easy to read to me, and I don't know what it is. Maybe I write, and I don't know. <gasps> Maybe you do. I don't think I do. Well, regardless, and like I said, it was. I mean, I I was able to to roll with it, but just fair warning for those of <laughs> you who are more like me and less like Jess. <laughs> I notice if it's like first person or third person but for some reason unless it like really stands out and you know i notice obviously because i'm reading and i see tenses but i don't think actively about what tense it's in well and i only i'm more likely to know like kate claiborne tends to write in first person present Mm -hmm. that doesn't tend for whatever reason it's the third person present i think red white and royal blue might also be in third person present and that was one where I just could not get over it. I read that one in five hours. See? See? <laughs> I, think, I think we've come ac- upon something here. <laughs> well, well, we'll explore it later in a future episode of Wedded Romance. <laughs> okay. Well, in order to move on, the third book, I think this is, yeah, third book that I wanted to talk about is also the third in the series, but not the last 
Um, so maybe this is a series you'll want to check out uh, if you haven't already. I've only read the first book in this one. I may have to get back to it. Ah, yes. So Well Matched is the third book in the Well Met series. And I will open by saying Jenda Luca is a friend. Um, we know each other IRL. I am talking about this book because I enjoyed it, not as... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving Good on. Good disclaimer. Uh, so Well Matched features two people who have repeatedly appeared in the Well Met series. Um, April is the older sister of the main... A female character in the first book. Mitch has appeared regularly. Interestingly enough, uh, Jen has said that she originally wrote Mitch to be like a, um, a potential not love interest. What do you call it? Antagonist, I guess. Ooh. Um, in the first book. And she was just like, he's too great. I can't, I can't do that to him. Sure. Um, so we see Mitch a lot because he's sort of the, the mainstay of the Renaissance Festival that all of this uh, series takes place around. Mm -hmm. And in the third book, April is trying to sell her house because her daughter is approaching college age and will probably move out. And she thinks that it's time to move on. And she asks Mitch to help her with a few things around the house that she wants to update so that it is easier to sell, basically. And he's like, I need you to go to this family dinner with me and pretend to be my girlfriend. And, you know. As one does. As, as one does. Well, that's fine. Um, because April is the exact opposite of the person that, especially his family, expects Mitch to be dating. He has... He, he has, doesn't quite have the reputation of being a man whore, but mm -hmm. he, you know, he's flirty, he's fun, he doesn't really like dig into relationships and stuff. So, um, he's getting older, he's thinking more about what he wants out of life. And uh, the first step to that is to pretend that he's got it figured out or whatever. Um, so. They do that. It's fine. But moving on to a little bit in the future, when the Renaissance Festival is up and going, Mitch's family shows up unexpectedly and uh, oh. she has to pretend again. Sure. <laughs> it, it kind of goes like that Kosoko Jackson book from last year. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, I'm so not into you. Yeah, the um, yeah. the whole uh -huh. like pretend for this one night, and then oh no, oh, you wait, have actually, to pretend for a yeah. little bit longer further down the mm -hmm. line. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, these these books like if you are not a Ren Fair person, you might not have the same like connection that I do to these books. But they're just delightful. The people are fun. Uh, the relationships are interesting. The second book is actually um, not one that I found myself enjoying, in part because one of the characters was essentially catfishing the other. Ooh. So if you do decide to read the rest of the series, I am giving you that warning. But the other three are great. <laughs> 
Well, and I will say I'm not a huge Red Fair person. And I remember liking the first one. I think it's well met mm-hmm. a ton. It just happened to be the case that that was the only one that was out at that time. Mm-hmm. And so you know how that goes with a series where like mm-hmm. you read the first one and you love it. And then you kind of lose track a little bit. So so yeah, I mean, catfishing aside, I think you cannot be a Ren Fair person necessarily and still be super into it. Yeah. Uh, I will just do a quick mention of one other book. It's called Everything's Better with Lisa by Lucy Eden. It is the third book, I think, in a trilogy. <laughs> I hadn't actually read the first two. Um, I, and, and it was totally fine to have not read the first two. The characters from the first two are, are, at least the second book, are very much in this one. But it was no big deal. This one has a little bit of fake dating, but it only is maybe like a third of the book that this couple is pretending to be together. And the reason that I even kind of mention it is because this is a, so it's a a book where just to be like very brief about it, these two people are neighbors. They have like sort of a meat disaster. It's Cole and Lisa. Cole is like a functioning disaster. I would say like he's a lawyer. He has like all the things right, but also he's a little bit of a mess. He was adopted and he finds out that his birth mother has died and he has a very young brother, like a toddler brother. Mm. So he is next of kin. He ends up adopting the brother, Lisa, this next door neighbor who he had the meat disaster with, ends up being his nanny. And for a while, the two of them are pretending to be engaged because they think it will help his chances to get full custody Mm. of CJ, his baby brother. I and I only I loved the book. I thought it was great. I highly recommend it. It did remind me a little bit of like what I think is like a little bit less fun in a fake relationship, which is when everybody's in on it. Mm. Both of their whole families know that this is fake and it's just for the custody hearing, which is like a little less fun. And also they still do the thing where they're like, mm, this isn't fake. You guys are in love <laughs> and it's fine. So anyway. <laughs> I liked it a ton. It's a little bit of a, if if like fake dating is not necessarily for you or you're a little unsure about it, this one might be a good option because it's much less of a component in this book. Mm. But I did read it recently and I liked it a lot. And it made me think about what I do and don't like about fake dating. So I wanted to mention it. But yeah, that's Everything's Better with Lisa by Lucy Eden. Awesome. And there's two other books in the trilogy. So feel free to read those two. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, all right. Anything else today, Jess, that you feel like we missed? I'll just close this chapter of fake relationships by saying I could probably just talk about fake relationship books for the rest of the year um, or longer. (laughs) Like, there are so many and I could find them in every part of the romance universe and enjoy myself greatly. I love fake relationships, but it was good to talk about them and maybe we'll move on to something else or at least emotionally. <laughs> For now, For maybe now. we'll come back to them. Yes. There are so many, like you said. All right, well, let us know what your favorite fake relationship books are because we're excited about mm-hmm. them. Send your thoughts on After Hours on Malegro Street to us as well. Huge, huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful, talented, brilliant audio editor, Jen Zink. And you can find us. Uh, you can find us at whenandromanceatbookriot.com. You can find me on Instagram, primarily at Trisha Haley Brown. You can find me still on Twitter, yes, at Jess's Reading, all one word, and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. 
What is your TikTok, Jess? I'm going to finally put it in the show notes. I am pretty sure it is Jess underscore is reading. All right. Well, we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) Buckle up. Um, Please do rate and review the podcast, everybody. It helps everyone find a new fun podcast for themselves in 2023. Yeah. Thank you, Trisha, for being excellent at show notes, because I have discovered that I am not. Um, (laughs) And welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you all for listening. And in the meantime, we'll see you next time. And until then, happy reading. Happy reading.